Thanks for joining us here at KVCR for KVC Arts, arts and entertainment, as well as the people and places providing it. I'm David Fleming. The sole focus of this edition of KVC Arts is in conversation with Terry Johnson. We'll hear about his time with and away from the Flamingos. He provided vocal arrangements on many of their biggest. Terry Johnson is scheduled to perform in the region September 25th as part of Legends of Doo-Wop and Rock and Roll Volume 3, along with Kathy Young, Jay Siegel and the Tokens, Leon Hughes and the Coasters, the Dukes of Doo-Wop, and emceed by comedian Scott Wood. More at affordablemusicproductions.com. Now with Terry Johnson, we'll hear about how he even came to be with the Flamingos through what he called an otherworldly experience. Also, one of their biggest, I Only Have Eyes For You. First though, many folks know him as Terry. Many others know him as Buzz or Buzzy. As a kid, man, I was just always just too busy for my mom. That was like a beat, just buzzing, 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 buzzing. Okay, just always moving around. Okay. The other thing, this would go back, but this lies somewhere in the area of legend and lore. I want to hear about this otherworldly experience when you saw the flamingos performing, I believe it was The Vow. Tell me about this time that you saw them in this aura around them. It was surreal. That's the only word I could find because, like, hey, I'm like, what, 17? I had my own group of whispers in Baltimore. We recorded four sides, but... Nothing was really happening with it. So I went to the Royal Theater in Baltimore, and I knew Jake and Zeke from the synagogue that we all went to. Okay. They were really from Baltimore, although these tell everybody they're from Chicago, but they're from Baltimore. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so my favorite group at the time was the Five Keys. I thought they were really good. But it was something about the flamingos with the tenors. And I'm a first tenor and a baritone, so I always liked the tenors. And so I really went to see the Five Keys. And when the flamingos came on, it was something about these guys, man. It was like, I don't know. I saw me up on the stage with them. I knew I was sitting in my seat, but I saw me on stage. I saw me on there. And I saw this other guy up there with the guitar, and I saw me. <laughs> and then once everything really came into focus, it was like an aura around the six of us, or the five of us. Zeke wasn't there at the time. Wow. It was the aura, and it was like, it scared me because I didn't know if I was having an out-of-body experience or I didn't know what was really happening and just scared me. But then when I saw them dancing and I saw the smoothness and the harmonies, it was something about us. So when the show was over, I went backstage because I knew the people there. And I went backstage to say hello to the guys. And I told them what I experienced. I saw myself on stage with you guys, man. It was like, Really weird. And they kind of laugh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, they didn't believe. You know, I don't think they believed me. Okay. You know, and so Nate Nelson, that's the first time I met Nate. And he said, hey, wait, wait a minute. He said, we're looking for it. He said, Johnny Carter just got drafted. He said, do you know any singers here in Baltimore? I said, well, yeah, quite a few. <laughs> he said, we're looking for a first tenor. And we're also looking for somebody that can play an instrument like piano or bass or guitar or something. I said, well, I play guitar. And I sing first tenor. They say, you do. And Nate said, well, would you mind coming in tomorrow and auditioning? You know, I said, uh, sure, I'd love to. I went in the next day. I took my guitar and my amp, and I took in one of the songs that I recorded with my group, The Whispers, and played it for them. And everybody really perked up and really 
looked at me like, damn, pretty good, pretty good, good sound. Nice. And then I was able to read the music that they gave me, and I sang live for them also so they could really hear my voice. And they said, hey, man, you sound really good. You really interested? I said, yeah. They said, okay, we'll give you a call. And I waited for a month, two months, oh. three months, and it was like December. I said, eh, forget about them. So I, <laughs> I put another band together. Because I stayed active musically. I put another band together, and we were working in Baltimore. At, you know, real nice supper club. And all of a sudden, Christmas Eve, I got this call from Jake Carey saying, Hey, buddy. Mm. Yeah, he said, uh, do you still want to be a flamingo? You want to join the group? I said, yeah. He said, well, <laughs> much time? He said, you be in Philadelphia tomorrow? <laughs> Christmas Eve? Yeah, be there tomorrow. And then we're going up to New York, and we get started right away. We got to rehearse. We got a lot of work in line, so, you know. Get up here. That was the way it happened. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I understand that with Carter in the Army, part of the attraction of being in the Flamingos is that right. you hoped that he would come back and you two could be arranging things together? That's exactly what my plan was because, like, I loved his voice. He had a high, shrilling tenor, and I had a warmer. So I knew the two of us together, we would have a heck of a sound. But the Flamingos would let him in the group. Yeah, right. So he was like, hey, man. I said, hey, guys, you know, I, that was my dream to sing with Johnny Carter. <laughs> he said, well, you know, it's either him or you. Now, which one you choose? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, so, yeah. You know, it was dirty. I thought it was really dirty for them not to let him back in the group. And so he joined the Dells, and he's dead now. He lived all those years, 50 years or more, singing with the Dells. And when Zeke Curry got out of service, they were going to do the same with him. I said, oh, come on, guys. You know, you already let Johnny go. You know, like, he said, well, what can he do? He can't, he's not really a good singer. He, he has a little trembling voice. You know, they were talking about him. Like, no, man, don't waste time. I said, well, look, I don't feel right. We lost Johnny. I said, look, how about if I teach him how to play bass? Because playing the guitar, I know the rudiments of it, and I can play bass. So how about if I show him how to play bass? Because of me playing my guitar, I can get all notes and we'd be five-part harmony, I said, and that would really make us different. They said, no, man, no. So I really fought for Zeke, and they finally said, okay, so that's what made us six. Was it the other band members saying no, or was this management at this point? All band members, oh. all the singers. And I didn't realize the kind of person he was. I thought he was really just a nice guy, but he wasn't that good. He was kind of a greedy, and he was really the main one that broke up the group. Oh, oh, gosh. Yeah, it was one of the worst decisions I could have made in my life. Mm. But it's done, and, you know, so moving on. Yeah. Well, this is quite some time back. I mean, this is 60 years ago or so when this is going right. on anyway. Yeah. Now, when you auditioned with the Whispers tune or a couple of Whispers tunes, was it by chance Fool Heart and Are You Sorry? Right. Like, They're now, the two songs. Right. The Whispers, my group, I put it together. Now, these songs that you had written with the Whispers, did you write them for the Whispers, or did you already have them around when you put the Whispers together? No, I wrote it as we were singing, and we were doing little talent shows, and we were first prize winners, and we really had something that I just, you know, because I played guitar, I got really inspired and just started writing. That's how it happened. And then during that time that you mentioned between when you first auditioned for the Flamingos and several months later when you pretty much given up on them and they finally did give you a call back in December, you said that you had been working with another group. Did that group stay together in essence up until you got a call from the Flamingos and boom, that was it? That was the end of the other group? Yeah, that group was called Terry Johnson and the Rhythm Kings. 
Oh, the Rhythm Kings. The Rhythm Kings, okay. Right. It was a band, but, you know, we were also singers. Okay. Instruments. That seemed to be something that you were a part of several times, and that is as far as being what they ended up calling self-contained groups instead of being the singers with other exactly. people playing the instruments. So we ended up with Zeke on bass, and you stayed on guitar. Then the other guys, didn't they end up picking up instruments as well? Yeah, Tommy kept tinkle on the piano a little bit. So, you know, we did a few shows where we played instruments. Nate played drums, and Paul would just play maracas or something, and Jake, he would just do a tambourine, whatever. Gotcha. But the main hub was Zeke, myself, Tommy, and Nate for instruments. You're the rhythm section in addition to being the vocalist. That is certainly a standout kind of thing for any group back then. Yeah, it was. Now, there was a time that I read about that you guys, sometime in 56, I believe, the Five Flamingos moved off to the Cecil Hotel. And there were quite a few folks that were just, I'd say, just part of the scene. But for you, I'm sure a huge influence. Folks from the Drifters, the Harptones, Cadillacs. Did any of these folks become mentors in any way since they were there and they were already somewhat established when you were trying to become established? No, well, I always felt that I was established. I mean, like Bo Diddley and Muddy Waters. I mean, you know, you're talking about some giant yeah, that were yeah. there, but I was shy. You know, I was just shy. I didn't ask anybody what they thought or to teach me anything. I don't know. I think I learned by being around people and see how they sing and what's happening with the music. And, you know, I really can't say mentor. No, I take that back. The one mentor that I really felt that I had once joined with the Flamingos was Nate Nelson. I mean, you know, he never got his propers. This man could sing. He had phrasing. He had a beautiful first tenor, natural first tenor voice. He sang high and crystal clear, and he had rhythm in the way he sang. You know what I mean? He would mm. always talk to me. Uh, matter of fact, with I Only Have Eyes For You, he inspired me because when we had 33 songs to get done, and I Only Have Eyes For You was the hardest one for me because I didn't like the way it, Are the stars out tonight? I don't know if it's cloudy or bright, or I only have a... It was corny. I just, you know what I mean? It had no flavor <laughs> okay. to it. So George Golden, the president of Ed Records, you know, giving me these songs to arrange, and he wanted it to be something like the Platters, because, you know, in other words, don't do heavy rhythm and blues music, but try to do it more on the white pop side. You know oh, what I mean? You. Right, right. And so with that one song, was like, I can't feel it. I don't know what to do with it. So Nate said, you know, why don't you do a thing like the Boyer's Boat song, that Russian thing, pull away now. But don't pull. And then he started laughing because he was just playing with me. <laughs> but I took that idea and I ran with it. And I went back to the hotel and I uh, had my guitar in my chest and I was playing around with these chords. And all of a sudden, if you want to hear the story, this is the truth. Yes. I fell asleep with the guitar on my chest. And I'm telling you, it was God. It was angels that kind of just surrounded me. And I heard this music. I heard these chords, strange chords. Of course, I'd never heard before, and I heard the hammer. I heard beautiful. And it was scary. It was another really strong experience in my mind. And when I woke up, my hands were still on the guitar, and I just did my finger, and I heard the chord, and then it just flowed from me, you know, and until I got it, it was right there. I said, wow, it was right there. And while it was fresh in my mind, I woke the guys up at 4 o'clock in the morning and said, you have to come to my room now. I said, I've got that song. They said, what are you, crazy? It's 4 o'clock. I said, I know, but 
I have no other way to remember it. So I need you here now. Mm-hmm. They came in grumbling. Well, well, that was grumpy. <laughs> they were really mad with me. But then when I showed them the song, they looked at me when I was finished. I had a big smile on my face like, you like it? They said, no, it's stupid. Oh. Nobody, nobody liked that. I only have eyes. Nobody. The Flamingos didn't. George Golden, the president, he got pissed off with me because he didn't think that it fit 50s music. It didn't fit us. He said, you know, don't you ever go in the studio without me again. Really? Don't you ever. I gave you permission to do this, but don't ever. He said, this is terrible. It's garbage. He said, it doesn't sound like 50s music at all. I said, well, does it have to sound like 50s music? George, you know, like, it's what came out of me. He said, I don't care, Terry. Don't you ever go in the studio again. Oh and, you gosh. know, with two and a half months after that, our song was flying up the chart. He called me. And he said, Terry, listen, let me tell you something. Anytime you want to go in the studio with us, just feel free. Hot <laughs> blonde. You got it all. <laughs> Nate was like a mentor to me. He showed me a lot of things that I didn't know. And he taught me a lot of things mentally of how to deal with the world. And when I'm out there, you know, like when you get off stage, you have to know how to carry yourself and things to watch out for that you don't want to get involved in. You know what I mean? Nate was a mentor to me. Beautiful. My love must be a kind of blind love. I can't see anyone but you. We were talking a bunch there about George Goldner, and so he was the head of that subsidiary of Atlantic, or? Yeah, of Gone Records. Little Anthony and Imperials, Chantel, The Crows, The Flamingos, it was one other group, I can't remember who it was, but we were on a subsidiary of End Records, Dog Chasing His Tail. I had read a little bit about the Volga Boatman going into I Only Have Eyes for You, and I'd actually wanted to ask you and, and hear you tell about that. So the song of the Volga Boatman, was this known in pop circles, or, or where was this song that people even oh, knew of it? Oh, I don't know. It was like a classical type thing, I, I hmm. thought. I don't really remember hearing the song. I remember when Nate said, Hold on, da, da. So I just... <laughs> I got that from Pull Away Now. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can actually hear it, though, now. And I only have eyes for you. That's really cool. And I only David Fleming in conversation with Terry Johnson of the Flamingos. Terry is scheduled to perform in the region September 25th as part of Legends of Doo-Wop and Rock and Roll Volume 3, along with Kathy Young, Jay Siegel and the Tokens, Leon Hughes and the Coasters, the Dukes of Doo-Wop, and emceed by comedian Scott Wood. More at affordablemusicproductions.com and more with Terry Johnson as KVC Arts continues. The scene is set for dreaming. 
George Goldner, I also read that he had been giving you all these songs. So I guess when was it he had noticed that you had quite a knack for arrangements? And so he started having you rearrange all these much older songs? Well, when he heard Lovers Never Say Goodbye when I first brought it to him, he was impressed. And, you know, that's why I sang a lot of duets with Paul Wilson. And George saw that I had a talent. And like I said, he sat us down. He said, you know, like, Golden Teardrops and I'll Be Home. He said, that's really heavy R&B. He said, the Platters are out there doing something. They have a lot of class, and they're really working for the white race. You know mm. what I mean? And they're doing like a pop sound. He said, Terry, do you think you can come up with something like that? So he didn't know that when I was raised, my parents would not have any rhythm and blues or any of those songs on the radio. I would have to listen to Arthur Godfrey and <laughs> Julius Rosa, and I could hear Nat King Cole. They would let me hear Nat King Cole and Little Sammy Davis. But as far as the black music, that was about my extent of it. Oh wow! Yeah, so I was raised on the kind of like classical music it would make me cry. I could hear changes in classical music, just boom, man, it would just go through me, and I would actually cry. I would feel heavy in my heart to want to just release what was inside of me. So. That's where I really got my roots of music. Wow. From, you know, classical music and, you know, pop music. So you ended up actually uh, trying to come back with the Pat Boone version of some of these songs. No, I'd gone after more like, when we first started rehearsing to start working, we had some jobs down in Miami Beach. And at this, wake up, the Susie, wake <laughs> up, they were like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I said, it's good music, you know, because like what I left out in Baltimore I worked in, like, white places, white clubs. So I knew what kind of music that they liked, you know what I mean? So I felt comfortable doing that kind of music, like Wake Up Little Susie, and I can't remember all these songs that we used to do. Like, But when I brought these songs to the guys, they were like, hmm. what? No, no, no. I said, no, you got to try it. You know, this is my job. In other words, my job was music arrangements and teaching them harmonies. And Tommy's job was picking out the clothes, the uniforms. You know, everybody had a job in the group. So when I threw it on them and we started doing it, like, uh, what was it? Um, how much is a doggy in the window? Woo, woo. <laughs> a nutcase. Like, no, man. I said, I said, I said, if the people don't like it, then, you know, I'll be the first one to bow out gracefully and say, I'm wrong. <laughs> it's time, it's love, my foolish and accustomed to where my ideas was coming from, and then they started really enjoying everything I was bringing to them, and they would start joining in ideas with it. Please wait for me. Just say 
you mentioned a song a second ago that I definitely want to hear the story about how it came together, and that is Lovers Never Say Goodbye. This was actually a woman speaking to you in tears, right? So yeah. tell me about that, how this came about, and the light bulb that went off in your head. Well, her name was Elsie. We were playing in Wildwood, New Jersey, and she was so cute. She was so sweet. And, you know, we just kind of clicked, and she was my girlfriend. And we spent all the time together. You know, we just, in the morning, when I get up, she would come to wherever we were, and we would go to the beach and go here and, and hold hands. And, and it was really nice. I really liked her. I thought I loved her, and she loved me. But we were young. And she had to leave and go back to college, and she didn't want to go. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You know, like, I've got work. We've got to go to Hawaii. We've got to go back down to Florida. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. And she was just crying her little heart out. She was just bawling like a baby. And I said, yeah, I don't want to say goodbye. She said, I don't want to say goodbye. I don't want to say Lovers never say goodbye. You know, so we're just going to stay so long, okay? And she was like, "Describe that much harder." But you know, then I was inspired by what I said. (laughs) The way I pictured it when I read about this is that she was just in tears, just like you were just talking about. But then. Oh my gosh, I hope you didn't actually stop and write this down so you could remember it later, this lovers never say goodbye. <laughs> no, I just remembered what I said, because when I said it, it kind of like, that got in my mind, like, that's pretty nice, because I'm a songwriter, so, you know, I hear music in the air, I hear people say things, and that gives me an idea, so that's how it really came about. I know a lot of people have to wander around with a notebook to remember the things that happen to them. Well, they might just have to break away from an embrace to write down this profound moment that became a song. It's a good thing that you have a good memory then for that, that you didn't have to pull away from her to write that down. That became huge for you, too. And was this the beginning, do you think, of a lot of the great duets with Paul? Yeah, well, it was our first song that took us out of the rhythm and blues market and Mm -hmm. put us on the pop part. True. In other words, exactly what I told them I could bring to the table is what happened with my very first song. Because all of a sudden, you know, we were doing Dick Clark and Alan Freed, well, mainly the white kids, you know. So that's what I do. Just say so love, so long, darling, because lovers never say goodbye. Another George Goldner thing with Love Walked In, an old Gershwin tune, I think. The whistling, it's almost kind of an eerie sound. It's a lot of control in that whistling. Comes in toward the end also again. Was that his idea to come in during the intro and end, or is this something that came in later? He was whistling all the time. He wanted me to do it, and I I can't whistle it. I'm, I'm not that good at it, and Paul couldn't do it. Nobody else in the group could really do it. And I said, you know, why don't we just forget about the whistling thing? He said, no, I, I really like that. He said, here's what it should sound like. 
whatever the whispering thing was, I said, well, why would you do it? He said, what? You do it. You know, you're doing it, and you're doing it in key, so why would you do it? He said, oh, I can't do that. I said, well, George, that's it's your idea. And so he went in there, went to the studio, and whistled it. <laughs> it took quite a few listens, and then I was reading about it later to find out that it wasn't one of you guys. I had actually written down here originally to ask which of you guys was whistling. It's just I wanted to compliment you on the control. Then I noticed that it was George Goldner, not even part of the group. Right, right. Well, and then he was the one, again, handing out all the tunes and asking you to rearrange them. What were some of the ones that you tackled? Since so many of these songs were older hits or hits from earlier movies from maybe a decade before, what were some of the ones that you really had a lot of fun with but didn't really go anywhere with the Flamingos? I know you had As Time Goes By. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Time Goes By, Good Night, Sweetheart. Mm. These songs, the 33 that he gave me, I arranged all of them. We recorded all of them. Oh. My favorite ones was I'm in the mood for love. Mm. Where when Paul did such a fabulous job on that. Yours, but not for me, which was another duet with Paul and myself. And then My So Please was really different. I love Begin the Beginning, that's why we do it on our show now. Oh yes. Tom did a fabulous job on the breeze and I the breeze and I and time was I mean you know it was just all these old standards and I just made them my own and you know but The Breeze and I was the one I was thinking about that was such a beautiful like it was such a haunting song like quiet and our harmonies was just unique oh yes yeah It's been Terry Johnson of the Flamingos for the entirety of this edition of KVC Arts. Thanks again to Terry and to Nathan Gothels of Affordable Music Productions for originally getting Johnson and I together. Terry Johnson is scheduled to perform in the region September 25th as part of Legends of Doo-Wop and Rock and Roll Volume 3, along with Kathy Young, Jay Siegel and the Tokens, Leon Hughes and the Coasters, the Dukes of Doo-Wop, and emceed by comedian Scott Wood. More at AffordableMusicProductions.com. Here at KVCR, thanks to Lillian Vasquez, Rick Dulock, and Sharina Wad. Music bets and themes heard on KVCR. It's composed and performed by Sean Longstreet. So thanks to Sean as well. Find many past KVCR's programs via podcast through iTunes, Spotify, and NPR One. And most past shows are at kvcrnews.org slash arts. I'm David Fleming. Thanks especially to you for listening and for your support.